It's Wednesday, April 21st, 2021. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you tonight by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, the Phillies are now sitting at 500, 9 and 9. The Sixers ran into a buzzsaw named Steph Curry the other night, and now word that Ben Simmons is out tonight. Uh, the Flyers have a fork in them, and the NFL draft is just a week away for the Eagles. There's always plenty to talk about in Philly sports, and we got it covered tonight. Yeah, it has not been a last uh, few good couple of days for the Philly teams, Bill. The Phillies did get that win today, and they really, really needed that one. I noticed that in your opening, Bill, you didn't mention the fact that the Academy Awards are this Sunday. I'm sure that was just an oversight on your part. Uh, what, what The what's and when? Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Well, hey, as as mentioned, the NFL draft is now just eight days away. The Eagles have a bunch of holes to fill. Where do they start, Chet? Well, I mean, in a sense, pretty much every draft pick that they're going to make is going to be to address an area of need because they got holes pretty much everywhere. Of course, the key will be choosing the right guys to fill those goals, uh, the guys with the proper skills, work ethic, et cetera, to address the needs. And let's face it, their draft report card from the last couple of years doesn't exactly have them at the head of the class. Well, and, you know, there was a little press conference today about the draft, which uh, Howie Roseman was there, Nick Sirianni was there. I guess Howie kind of addressed uh, that they haven't been so good recently. And they've uh, now said that Jalen Hurts is not necessarily their guy. They're going to um, create some competition at that quarterback spot. So that's going to be fun, too. We need somebody to help us sort all this out, Bill. And we got them. We're going to welcome <laughs> back one of our favorite guests from Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Gowton. Welcome back, BLG. Plenty to talk about tonight. As always, uh, a pleasure to be here. And indeed, yes, always a lot to talk about when it comes to the Eagles. Yeah. Hey, Brandon, when we talked to you back in mid-January, the, the Eagles at that time were searching for a new head coach. They, of course, ultimately settled on a guy that wasn't really a candidate anywhere else. Is less than thrilling couple of pressers aside. What are your initial impressions of Nick Sirianni? I don't know if he's a good head coach. I don't think any of us can say <laughs> if he's a good head coach. What I we I think we all can say is, man, does this guy have a lot of energy? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's like a good thing in terms of I feel like if this is who he is all the time, I just don't think that's sustainable. He can't be this on all the time. But I think it's kind of nice in some ways for a team that kind of lacked a lot of juice certainly last year. And even this offseason, not a lot of buzz just because of they're limited to what they could do in the offseason. I think it's nice that they have some kind of positive energy. Uh, maybe Nick Sirianni himself can sustain that for the team. So uh, I think it's nice to see from the start. But, you know, obviously we'll see how that goes. Hey, one thing, uh, Bill, I want to mention to uh, Brandon. At some point, we got to play a game of rock, paper, scissors to see how competitive you are. <laughs> Are you, are you going to trash talk me too, like he said? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> okay, great. Take it away, Bill. Well, hey, let's, let's just get right to it with the quarterback situation. I think we all felt uh, the move was that Jalen Hurts was going to be the guy. Joe Flacco was going to be in place to be the veteran helping him out. Uh, that kind of changed today, maybe. What what do you think of that? And, and to tie to that, 
Um, you know, a lot of discussion early on is they wanted to move up to, to possibly pick Wilson, uh, and the Jets wouldn't get off of that pick. So uh, where, where does it stand? Where's the quarterback situation? Yeah, it's. I mean, they clear, they didn't even say his name really <laughs> when they were talking about Jalen Hurts. They uh, Jeff McLean did a good job of really pressing uh, Howie Roseman, and who then turned it over to to Nick Sirianni about Jalen Hurts because Howie tried to dodge that question kind of at first, or at least gave a non-answer. He didn't really say anything about Jalen Hurts, and then you know when pressed further upon it, turning it over to Sirianni, and Sirianni just talked about competition. Um, that's all well and good. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with it's a good thing to have competition in theory. But, I mean, at the same time, you can still be like, hey, we have competition, but we like Jalen Hurts. Or, or, you know, we're excited about what he showed. Like, we have hopes for him. You could have said something about him uh, without, you know, actually having to hand him the job. You know, there's, there's a gap in between those two extremes there. So I think it's interesting because, uh, like, it's, it's just a little weird because, you know, Jalen Hurts is here. You would think he would be the guy. But um, I think it's very clear that this team isn't super committed to him. I think there's still a good chance, you know, he's going to be the Eagles starting quarterback this year in 2021. But I mean, you know, the Sean Watson rumors are out there. You know, quarterback falls unexpectedly in the draft. Um, if they're just really waiting until next year to use those first round picks and to pivot to a new one. I mean, I just think they're far from sold on Jalen Hurts. Well, we talked to you a bit about this in January when it first started to come out that there's really some major dysfunction in the Eagles front office. Jeff McClain did a story more recently. There was a story in the athletic there's disagreements about roster decisions. Jeffrey Lurie, maybe having too much say in things um, he and Howie wanting a coach that they can control for lack of a better word. How messed up is it in that front office from a human able to tell? Well, I mean, like, I think a lot of people get on me, and that's fine. That's fair. Uh, maybe I could be too down on the Eagles, but th- there's a reason why. And I, like, I feel like these are things that are consistent, you know, with what I've heard over time. It's not like I'm shocked to hear these kind of developments. I think when you look at the Eagles' Super Bowl success, we all want to look at that and be like, this is a team that knows what they're doing. They're going to get back to this. But it's like, the more we get removed from that, it kind of looks like the outlier, right? And it's like, and even in that story from The Athletic, there was a source in there that said, like, how the heck did we win the Super Bowl? Like, I don't even know with, with all the stuff that goes on here. So I, I'm not going to say they're, you know, the most dysfunctional team in the league. I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think, you know, obviously just last year magnified things, but it's not near the top either. You know, they're not as functional as they could be. So there's room to improve. And I, I think anyone would hope that the Eagles can kind of look at those stories and say, okay, look, we need to reflect here and we need to try to get better at this and improve this instead of just looking at those stories and being like, oh, they're all fake and there's nothing to them. Well, I thought Howie's comments today were interesting in regards to the draft and saying, you know, we haven't done so good. We haven't had a lot of hits, you know, those sort of things. Uh, And that everybody was going to be involved in this and all. I didn't know if he was kind of shedding light looking back to that those other guys were involved or if he's saying, Hey, uh, they're going to be involved now. You know, you couldn't really figure that out or I couldn't. Yeah. I think it's just clear that they need to alter the process, actually have a process. I feel like part of the problem that we saw in the story of the athletics specifically is like, there's too much like hunt and peck, I would say almost when it comes to how the decisions get made. It's like, okay, Lurie is stepping in here, but then, the coaches get blamed for the Rager pick, but then Carson Wentz has influence and he wants this thing. But then Fletcher Cox has a lot of influence too. And he wants like, just it's like, that's not collaboration. 
to me. Like collaboration isn't just giving a bunch of different people the power in different situations. Like collaboration is hearing a lot of voices, having a strong decision maker at the top who is trusted to do their job and not, not being the owner, like someone, you know, you hire as the owner, as a general manager to trust that guy at the very top. And then that guy at the very top effectively managing different personalities and kind of get everyone pulling in the same direction. And, and you know, look, it's a challenging job, admittedly, because you have a lot of different voices and different kind of backgrounds you're coming from in terms of scouting and coaching and, and analytics and all of those things. But it's his job ultimately to kind of get those guys on the same page to some extent. And I think it's clear that he hasn't done the best job of doing that. All right, the draft next week. Uh, since we last talked, of course, the Eagles did trade down from number six to number 12. But because there will be at least four quarterbacks taken by then, in all probability, and Kyle Pitts will be gone, a couple of offensive tackles likely, the Birds may have their choice of the two Bama receivers, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, perhaps even uh, Patrick Sertan, the Bama cornerback, likely South Carolina cornerback J.C. Horn will be there, maybe even Penn State's uh, Micah Parsons, the linebacker. So who should they target, and what do you think they will do? I want them to take Devontae Smith. It's really a no-brainer to me. Uh, I hope he's there on the board. I don't think it's a guarantee. Although, you know, obviously, like, there's concerns, not for me, but concerns apparently around the league about his weight. I think he is kind of a Justin Jefferson, not the exact, exact kind of, you know, player and not the exact same kind of profile even. I think Jefferson, to me, checked all the boxes Smith doesn't do that just because of the concerns about size and, and what have you. But I think just don't overthink it is what it comes down to me. Like the Eagles overthought Jefferson. And I think if Smith is on the board and you don't take him, the Heisman winner who dominated the SEC, who like you can say he's only what 166 pounds. I mean, the guy hasn't missed a game. He doesn't take big hits. I think he plays smart. He knows how to play. And also, like, I was looking at some metrics this week. He's, like, one of the top five receivers in college football at getting off press coverage. So, like, I just don't see where the, 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 the concerns about his size are manifesting. I think that's the guy they should take. I'm so want to think that they're going to take a lineman simply because it's what they do. And nine out of uh, – or, sorry, seven out of nine, Howie – seven out of the last nine – which are the only nine, Howie Roseman first-round picks, all of those guys have been either offensive or defensive linemen. The exceptions are Carson Wentz and Jalen Rager. So, you know, when in doubt, it feels like they're just going to take another lineman. Do you, how do you feel about the, the defensive side of the ball and the needs that they have over there? Do you see anybody on the board that you really like on the defensive side? Would they, would they trade up for Sertan if, uh, to get him ahead of the Cowboys who seem to like him? Yeah, I don't know that I like the cornerbacks enough or really anyone on defense there um, that like I, I would I would want to trade up for or I think they should trade up for. I think if you can make a small move up to nine, because that's where the Denver Broncos pick, and I think it's pretty possible that they could want a quarterback there and one just doesn't fall because let's say like the Panthers trade out because they already have Darnold now and the, the, the Broncos kind of get scooped there. So if you can make a small move and you might only have to give up, let's say like a, a third round pick, then, and if you love the guy, then okay, that's one thing to me. I just don't see it as much. And I, I tend to skew towards offense anyway. Look, this is a league that favors offense in terms of penalties and everything and just how the game is in today's NFL. And I think the best path for the Eagles to get back on the success is one where they become an elite offense. And I think that's by, you know, investing in the passing game. Well, Brandon, I know like all football sites, uh, Bleeding Green Nation has put out a mock draft or two. You've been doing something every day with that. Do you have time to give us a quick look at how the first half of round one might go? Who goes, you know, one through 12? 
Absolutely. So, you know, I think the first two picks we all know, I think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence to the Jags. I think Zach Wilson, you know, there, there might be a couple rumors or whatever that say the Jets aren't going to take him, but it seems like he's going to be the guy at number two. Where it gets interesting, you know, is number three. Do the 49ers take Mac Jones, as has been rumored by a lot of different people? I feel like it's just like hard to believe. You know, they're going to trade all that to get Mac Jones. I don't even dislike Mac Jones, I feel like, as much as everyone else. But I just, I also don't think he's the third best player in this draft. So I'm going to say it's like Trey Lance there. I'm going to say they take a shot on his upside. You know, Fields obviously in play there. But I'm going to say Lance uh, for the Falcons. I think Kyle Pitts, that's where he goes. I think they're not ready to take a quarterback yet. They, They restructured Matt Ryan's deal. I think for like, he's almost there for like two more years for sure. So they pass on the quarterback, they go with Pitts. He's probably the best, you know, arguably the best non-quarterback in this class. At five, uh, I'm going to say Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow has reportedly been pushing for uh, the Bengals to reunite him with his college star teammate. So we'll see that there. Six, I have Jalen Waddell, another receiver going off the board to the Dolphins. There's been buzz about them really liking him. And I think they could fall in love with his upside. Uh, Lions, Penny Sewell, I think they need to uh, invest in their offensive line. Eight, I think that, again, I think that could be a big trade-down spot with the Panthers. I think teams are going to come calling up, especially, let's say, if Justin Fields is still on the board. But for the sake of this mock, I'm not going to say a trade. I'm just going to say they take Rashawn Slater uh, and invest in their trenches, try to keep Donald upright. And then number nine, I'm going to say that Justin Fields falls to the Broncos, and they take him there. Uh, They definitely need a quarterback, I think, to compete with Drew Locke. Cowboys, Sertan, I think that's pretty much a lock if he gets there. They need need a quarterback, especially if the offensive linemen are off the board. Giants, I think they're going to like Micah Parsons, and I think they're going to take him. So I don't even think he's going to be available to the Eagles, and that leaves the Eagles with one, Devontae Smith. And uh, don't even you don't even need to see how the draft plays out on Thursday. Let's our Eagles or everyone just just stick to the order I just said, and then we're all good. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I got a question for you, though. Uh, Mac Jones, you know, if he can possibly make it up to the top five, and you're thinking so, uh, what what's the what happened to Mac Jones to fly up the board, and what happened to Justin Fields to kind of slip down the board a little bit? I think when you look at Jones, I mean, like a lot of his numbers are even better in some areas than like Joe Burrows were. And now obviously those are different kinds of players ultimately in terms of athleticism and everything and then uh, track record. Um, But like, you know, I I don't think Mac Jones is like this joke of a prospect. So I think he's a legitimate prospect. I think his accuracy numbers are really encouraging. And I think that's obviously a super high uh, trait to value. Um, And then with Fields, um, I don't think he should be falling because I think he's really good as well. And his accuracy numbers are also very good. So I don't think he should be moving down. Uh, and maybe he's not. I don't know. I think it's very possible the 49ers take him there at number three. Um, there's kind of been, I guess, weird buzz around him, even coming out as soon as like or as recently as today in terms of like his health and everything. But I feel like I'd kind of ignore that. That might be from teams who kind of want to see him fall and push him down the board. I want to ask you a question about the Eagles' offensive line. Is Jordan Mailata, do you think, going to be the starter at left tackle? Is Andre Dillard still going to be on the team, or is he going to get sent packing? <laughs> and where does Isaac Sayamalo fit in? Is he going to be uh, the heir apparent to Jason Kelsey at center or what? Yeah, really good questions there. So I think Mailata really is going to be the left tackle, or at least should be. Uh, Dillard, uh, I think after June, you know, a trade starts to become more feasible and certainly the Eagles might be more willing to move him once they have some more pieces in, in terms of tackles from the draft and everything. I don't think it's going to work out here for Andre Dillard as a starter. I know some people might think that's premature, but I just think, I think I, well, I know the Eagles don't feel great about him. So I can't, uh, assume he's just going to be this key piece for them, even though I, that's really disappointing. 
And then with uh, Kelsey, or sorry, uh, Sumalo, yeah, I don't know. Because I, when, I, when I've watched him in practice, I mean, he's had issues snapping the ball at times. I think he kind of got better at that uh, throughout the time I've seen him practice. So it might not be as big of an issue as it once was for him. But I, it's just it's a big you know question mark there. It's it's not like a sure thing. Just projecting that. Obviously, he did it in college. He has experience doing it. Um, obviously, Kelsey's going to be back for this year. So you see how Samalo does at left guard. And if he's playing really at left guard, then I would just keep him there. But you know, if you kind of need to make a move or you don't find a good option in replacing Kelsey next year, well, then you're just going to have to move him over. I want to jump back to the draft just for a second because I always have one guy that's my favorite guy in the draft. Uh, and I have one this year, too. Uh, unfortunately, he's a running back that, uh, you know, the value, the, most of the mocks I've seen uh, only have one guy possibly getting picked as a running back in the first round. And that's not my guy. Uh, Travis Etienne is the one that I saw in, in a lot of them. Nigel Harris, I absolutely love. Uh, I, I think he could be a Derrick Henry type of back in the in the NFL. What What's your take on Harris and why is the is the running back position so devalued that there's no first round picks? Yeah, I think the Steelers is like the team that everyone I think he's going to go to. Uh, I think it's pretty documented, well documented that the Steelers are in the market for running back, specifically in the draft. So uh, that feels like the obvious pick there. I mean, I guess it, it all comes down to you know finding these guys, like where you can find them. I think you can find them, uh, generally speaking, later on. You know, you look at a Corey Clement. And he was an undrafted rookie free agent. And now, obviously, his career has gone downhill since the injuries. But the point is, like, you got a really good player uh, for not too much. And I think you can kind of take those swings and hope to find those guys later and get, get good return on value on them. Um, you know, there's the exceptions to the rule. You know, you look at Ezekiel Elliott. But I also kind of, you know, wonder about him moving forward with all these touches he's taken over time and how he's going to age. And, I mean, look at Saquon Barkley. Like, I know we all love his talent, or a lot of people love his talent, a lot of Penn State people. But, I mean, you know, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And even when he does or has, it's not like he's making a whole big difference for the Giants. Like, they're still as bad as ever. So, I think it just comes down to the impact you're getting out of those players. Hey, Brandon, before I forget, I want to mention this. You've uh, you've kind of crossed the line, buddy. Um, <laughs> it may be an ambitious wow. crossover event. But you're doing a podcast with a cowboy, a cowboy rooter. Yeah. What's going on? Tell us about that. I know. I feel like a lot of people are uh, gonna, you know, like that. Like I said, they, you know, chanting "Fire Howie" down at the Phillies game <laughs> on uh, on the other night, and I feel like I'm just gonna hear "Fire BLG" chants before long, before people get like find out about this. But uh, no, I'm, I'm doing a new podcast called the NFC East Mixtape for for Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. It's also gonna be posted on the Blogging the Boys podcast feed, which is the Cowboys version of BGN and uh, my co-host there, RJ Ochoa. Um, he's he's a really good guy. You know, we'll forgive him for being a Cowboys yeah, fan. Yeah. I believe, I believe secretly he is an Eagles fan. And I think that's, he's the one who wanted to start this and come on to the BGN feed. So I think he kind of wanted to uh, ingratiate himself more with Eagles fans because he secretly is one. And I think that's kind of going to be the goal of the podcast ultimately. Like eventually we're going to, we're going to out him as an Eagles fan. I, I, I kid around with him. Like he's like a sleeper cell. And I'm going to say like these magic words one day and it's just going to like flip a switch and he's going to wake up one morning with like a Brian Dawkins jersey on. So, uh, so yeah, it should be good. All right. <laughs> hey, hey, Brandon, I know uh, Chet wants to talk Sixers with you just a little bit. Uh, they're playing good ball. They can't shake off Brooklyn. Now they got illnesses and injuries and all kinds of other stuff. Uh, Steph Curry took them to the woodshed the other night. Uh, what do you make of the way the Sixers are playing, and how's this thing going to finish out? 
I'm smiling here because I feel like the last time you had me on, like I wasn't as optimistic about the Sixers. Um, <laughs> Neither was I. I yeah, I, well, I mean, like, and I, I've always loved Embiid, and I know you too. I know Bill. I know you love him the most, but um, yeah, yeah. he's yeah. He's, yeah. he's been awesome. I mean, he's yeah. he's been even better than I can think. Um, I still have you know reservations about them being like a championship favorite, you know, because they still have obviously uh, a lot to do here. I still think Simmons, unfortunately, has kind of been more bad than good overall this season, especially in, if we're just talking about offense too, which is going to be pretty big in the playoffs. So. Uh, I feel encouraged because Embiid is awesome right now. And I feel like he should be the MVP. And when he's on, I mean, and he has been on a lot, like he's the most dominant player in the league to me. And I I feel good about that. I feel good about Doc Rivers. I think he's done obviously a really good job this year. Um, They're going to have to figure some things out in terms of the bench and whatnot and these rotations get all that settled. But uh, And if they get the number one seed, that's obviously going to be huge if they can get that in as opposed to, you know, having to face Milwaukee earlier on in the playoffs potentially. So kind of depends how it shapes up there. But I have hope. I think, you know, they're in the mix. Yeah, right now they're 39 and 18 and uh, they are clinging to first place in the NBA's Eastern Conference. Uh, Tough game tonight against Phoenix and a couple of games out in Milwaukee. Uh, do you think they can go to the finals as is? And what do you expect or what do you think they need from George Hill, who's the newcomer who didn't really show much in his debut other than Rust the other night? Yeah, I think um, that was that was a little tough for him. But obviously, you know, he'll get back into it. I think he will, at least. I, I have hope for him. I think they're really going to need – it might sound funny, but I think they really need more out of Shake Milton. I mean, unless George Hill really steps up here. Because I think a big reason why they lost to the Warriors the other night, like – so many times I was just sitting there asking myself, like, what are you doing, Shake? Like, like what's going on here? Um, I think, like, to and for him to be that bad, I, I actually thought to myself, I was like, this might be, like, the worst I've ever seen an NBA player play. Like, it didn't even feel hyperbolic in my mind. Like, this he just was, like, a total net negative out there. So, um, obviously, the stars are going to have to be the stars. You're going to need uh, Embiid to be him. I think you're going to need total lockdown effort from Simmons. Um, the offense can't be like a liability. Maybe, you know, we don't need him to score 20 points a game, but as long as he can kind of you know help facilitate the offense, get to the free throw line, make those free throws pretty important and keep the defense honest, then, uh, you know, I think they have a formula here. It's, it's going to be tough just because the Nets are so good. Obviously, they've been banged up. And obviously, the West has just a ton of good teams in that conference. So we'll see who emerges from all that. But again, I feel like they have a fighting chance. Okay. Well, Brandon, I got to come a little bit clean on the Joel Embiid thing. I haven't even said this to Chet, uh, but since wow. since he was legitimately hurt this year, he has had an MVP season, and he has played fantastic whenever he's been on the court. So I'm not I'm not down on him for being hurt. You can't be that. I was down mm-hmm. on him for sitting out games. So he hasn't done that since he's come back from his injury, and he has played lights out. It's so great to see, too. Like, he's just really fun to me. He makes sports fun for me. You know, the Eagles, uh, because of of my career and everything, like, the fun of the Eagles, well, not only that, but also because they haven't been good for a little bit here and haven't played, like, an entertaining brand of football for a while. Uh, But Joel Embiid is just pure fun for me. Love watching him play every night. It's great. Well, Brandon, on a totally different note, uh, I was doing some research for this show and looking at the Bleeding Green site today, today, and then I saw uh, you kind of campaigning for yourself because 
you're involved in this little uh, voting competition. <laughs> and here it is. It's uh, Eagles Media Field of 64 yeah. thing that Crossing Broad's been doing. And I see you knocked off Ray Didinger. You knocked off Mike Sealski and then Got Seth it. Joyner to get all the way to the finals against uh, the guys at Green Legion, who you know also are you know pretty good. They do their weekly shows. Uh, how did this happen? You must have a lot of guys out there back in your corner, Brandon. Uh, I don't know how I beat Ray Dinger. That's that's that one. Uh, <laughs> I I'm no me, but I'm not I'm not claiming like victory over that one. Ray is obviously the the goat, the legend. Um, but I mean, yeah, BGN has been really supportive. I appreciate that. Everyone who's voting, uh, the Green Legion's going to win this thing. They're up like way ahead in the poll. They've okay. they've got all the votes in somehow. So, uh, but, but I appreciate you plugging it and uh, making it this far has been an honor. Uh, anyone who reads BGN or listens to BGN radio, I'm always thankful. It's kind of crazy. Like I, I feel yeah. like I sit here a lot of the times and, you know, and maybe for you guys too, like you're doing the work, but you're not always interfacing, especially now in today's world and the, the pandemic with the, uh, the people who listen. And it's always cool to really be able to do that. So yeah. I really appreciate it. Good job. All right. Good luck. Thank Good you. Luck. Hey, one, one final question I have for you back to the Eagles for just a second. Uh, the, and you mentioned the fire Howie Roseman chant at the Phillies game, which wasn't too cool, I didn't think. But anyway, uh, the fans, it's on the top of the fans' head or tip of their tongue that Howie Roseman is on a hot seat with the fan base here in town. Uh, is he safe with, with Jeffrey Laurie? I mean, all indications are he is, but is he? I mean, I think he is when you look at just the trade that the Eagles made from, you know, number six to number 12. And I think I also think you look at how this is a pivotal offseason for the Eagles. Like this is where ideally, in theory, like they're building the next core because they have all these draft picks, the most in the NFL draft this year. They have the multiple first round picks next year. I really think, you know, Harry Roseman is being trusted to build this thing up. And look, I've been plenty critical of Harry Roseman to be objective or fair or balanced, whatever you want to call it. You know, he did a good job at building this team to some extent, you know, in 2016 and 2017 and building them up into a Super Bowl contender. So maybe, you know, it works out again. He can prove capable of building this team up. You know, I think the problem is he hasn't been able to sustain the success once it is built up. That's been his biggest trouble spot. Um, I don't have the utmost faith in him. I think if there's a disaster season this year, you know, where let's say the Eagles win like two games, three games, whatever, then maybe uh, it's really just, you know, time for him. And Larry does pull the trigger at that point and move on. But anything like uh, more than that, I think he's back. One final question from me, uh, Brandon. The Eagles have a lot of draft picks. I think 11 most of them, of course, down the bottom of that list. Um, what do you think they're going to look for in rounds three through seven with all of those picks that they have there? Um, as we said at the top, they have needs pretty much everywhere. But is there anything that stands out for you they should be targeting? Yeah, I think it's a good receiver class yet again in terms of there's depth here. So I think I would still like to take Devontae Smith. But why not also take another one? Uh, maybe if you feel like your guy is upside. Cornerback is just... It's just barren. Like, there's no one there right now. It's Darius Slay and no one starting across from him because obviously I don't think Avante Maddox is going to be back on the outside again. Um, it might be like Craig James starting for the Eagles today mm -hmm. if you had to start and play a game. So, uh, you know, obviously take multiple shots on cornerbacks too. They might take one as soon as second or even first, but take another one as well and take chance. I think that's the big theme of this draft should be like taking chances on guys who have that upside because, the, as you said, uh, like, 
The Eagles aren't in a spot where they're competing this year. They have a ton of holes all over. Like get the very best players, swing for the fences in a lot of ways. I think I, I think Smith might be a little bit of an exception of that. I just think he's such a sure thing. I think he's gonna be really good. Although I do think he still has a high ceiling. But yeah, I mean, they really can't be locked in on the specific positions entirely. Like they have to go into this draft and more than ever, really just trying to focus on getting like the best available talent at whatever pick they're at. Okay. Good deal. Well, hey, Brandon, before we let you go, uh, let the viewers know where they can find you, all the stuff you have going on. You're always creating more and more stuff. You're everywhere. I'm, I'm everywhere. Uh, bleedinggrenation.com. Obviously, you can follow me there. Check me uh, out the Bleeding Your Nation podcast feed where we have a ton of shows while we'll draft coverage as well coming up. Check me out on Twitter at Brandon Gowton, uh, Bleeding Your Nation on Twitter at Bleeding Green, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, as always, guys, pleasure to be on here. Thank you for having me. And by All the right. way, I, I did check out uh, some of the debut show that you do with RJ, the Cowboys dude. And he, despite <laughs> being the Cowboys guy, he does sound, sound like a good dude. So we'll let you slide on that. I appreciate it. I'll let him know that. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All Thanks, right, Brandon. Brandon. Thanks. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. All right, Chet. Uh, if your couch is getting more mileage than your car, Chet, it's time to start saving with all states pay-as-you-go insurance. You got that right, Bill. All states pay as you go. Auto insurance puts you in control. You only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Pay per mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay per mile car insurance by calling local agent Dave Lavoie at Allstate, 610-430-0700. Again, that is Dave Lavoie at Allstate in Westchester. That phone number, 610 430 Oh, 700. Start to save more now that you are driving less. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. It's Willie Nile here, and you're listening to Chet and Bill on Philly Press Box Radio. You lucky people. Good to see Willie. Hey, By the way, hear, got my tickets. Dave. Got my tickets for Willie Nile. May 29th at the Ardmore Music Hall. Get them while you can because it's only a hundred people that they're letting in. It's oh. uh, a small place, and with uh, you know restrictions, they have to keep everybody separated. 100. So, wow, hundred people. Yeah, what's the uh, what's it hold? I think it would normally hold about three hundred, maybe. Oh, okay. So not so. not too bad. It's not like a three thousand. No. It's not like 100. the the Wells Fargo Center. No. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> hey, cool. Hey, Chet, Philly's back to 500 after today's win. Um, they, you know, they won the series against the Cardinals. Now they lose the series against the Giants, in which they should have won last night. Uh, just 18 games in. It's been more the offense that's really been the problem until the last couple nights when the pitching let them down and they ended up coming back today to win. But hitting season can't come soon enough, Chet. Oh, man. Other than Bryce Harper, yeah, they've been really struggling. Bryce has really caught fire the last few days. Um, they were pretty much 0 for three weeks out of center field until Mickey Moniak finally got a hit last night. And then he hit the three-run homer today, which looked like it was going to be the game winner. Of course, that old bugaboo bill from uh, last year has resurfaced, and that's the bullpen. Connor Brogdon had his first bad game in a long time last night, giving up a couple of three-run homers. And then today, uh, it happened again, not to him. And, uh, boy, I... I I'm still liking this bullpen as far as compared to last year, but two games in a row, they made it uh, a real problem for the Phils. And I feel bad for Zach Eflin, who had to sit through a little rain delay and then go back out there, pitch real well for six innings, 
doesn't get the win. But the Phillies needed this win very badly, and ultimately they did get it thanks to Andrew Knapp with the RBI to win it. Yeah, and, and Wheeler pitched pretty well last night, you know. And you know the thing about Brogdon, I, I guess, kind of in my mind, maybe he gets a pass uh, for one game. He's pitched incredibly yeah. well. Uh, last night he didn't have it. Uh, you know, Chet, I'm, I'm just going to lob this out here for future discussion since we're only in game 18. I'm not so sold on Joe Girardi. Well, <laughs> let's face facts. Uh, we killed Gabe Kapler in 2018 and 19. Kapler and the Giants, whose roster is no better than the Phillies, had, a, I think, a one-game better record than the Phillies last year. And they have a better record so far this year. So, yeah, it was just something about Kapler's personality that ticked off a lot of fans. And uh, Girardi has that, you know, traditional baseball manager feel to him, which is why so many people love him. But as far as results, Kapler's actually done better the last two years than Girardi. And it looked like they were going to get a sweep as of this afternoon, but the Phils did come back. So, yeah, uh, Girardi has not done anything overly special to win people over. And uh, he, he had the mistake uh, a week and a half ago when he uh, had to take Wheeler out, I guess, because he forgot that it was a second trip out to visit the mound. So, uh, yeah, Joe has not exactly been perfect. No, and, and you know, I couldn't really figure out what the deal was with Brogdon last night. Okay, he gives up a three-run homer. Then you let him put a bunch of guys back on and give up another one. You know, normally that hook's out there and he's gone. If he, You know, he doesn't have it, or not him, any of them. They don't have it. You, you know, you're hooking them, and they let him go out there and take a beating last night. I, I didn't really understand that. I'll tell you who looked good. Spencer Howard getting the call up today along with Kingry. Kingry not looking so good, but Spencer Howard comes in, gets uh, one out and one in, and strikes out the side the next inning. So uh, hopefully he's going to stay up for a while, and they can either use him as a starter because I don't think Matt Moore is going to stick around as a starter. He's been not real good in all three starts that he's been out there. So maybe Spencer Howard will be the guy unless uh, Vinny V dazzles us out in Colorado, Colorado this Friday, which I don't see happening. With as many walks as uh, he has strikeouts. Not looking forward more to than Friday. He has for innings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I'll tell you what, Chad, I said this the other night, and uh, I guess it was last week, and I'm still concerned about it now. Andrew McCutcheon in that leadoff spot is yeah. not getting it done, and he's, they're going to have to, they're going to find somebody. They got holes. Yeah, uh, Kutch is showing his age. I thought, you know, a year removed from the injury that he was going to have a, a real big comeback year. Not happening so far. And then today he had the rare fielding mistake. I don't know if you saw it because I know you were doing some work. Uh, he dropped a ball in left field but ultimately proved to be a run that let the Giants tie the game. So, yeah, McCutcheon is not having a good year so far. So they got a problem in left field and center field the way I see it. Yeah, well, and, and I think the other big question is going to be how long a rope does Mickey Moniak have? How many at bats are they going to get? I mean, he's a kid. He needs at bats in the big leagues. Uh, you can't you can't pull the plug on him this early. Got to let him go. But at some point, they're going to have to bring Odubel Herrera up here. Uh, he's probably should have been up already. Um, yeah, they, they don't want to deal with that yet. At some point, if somebody out there doesn't hit, Odubel's going to have to get, come up and get a shot at it. I know Moniak had the three-run homer today, which was nice. It was a good swing. He hit it out to left center field. It was real nice. He had a single last night. But other than that, he looks overmatched much of the time. He's swinging at some bad pitches. He's way behind on a lot of them. So 
Uh, I know he's young. I know he needs the at-bats, but he has not looked great. Kingry today struck out badly in his first uh, reappearance. So, uh, yeah, I think Oduba will get the call up at some point. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to, that's for sure. Well, and, you know, the other thing they've got to do is they've got to stay healthy, and uh, that didn't look good when Gene Segura pulled up lame last night. Uh, <laughs> they can't afford that. They can't afford injuries. They're not that oh. good. But the kid that they called up, what is it, Maton, the shortstop, he's looked really good, especially defensively, making some great plays like a, an old veteran. And then he's also gotten a hit, I think, in each of the three games. Today, I believe he had three hits. So that was real nice to see. I don't know what his upside is, but so far, so good for him. Yeah, well, you know, I, I like to see some of these young guys get a chance, uh, not at the expense of losing games, but got to give them some A-Bs and, uh, and, and let them get their work in. Do you hear something? I. If it says, if it's a bell that is attached to Academy Awards, no, I don't hear anything. <laughs> well, Bill, uh, feel free to leave the room for you know, two, two and a quarter minutes because, yes, it is Academy Awards week, so I just have to do it. I have to do it. It is a brief preview of this Sunday's oh, Academy Awards. Here. The Academy Awards used to be a huge television event every year, always one of the top five most watched broadcasts in a given year. Well, that's not the case anymore. And with the pandemic having derailed the movie industry last year, I can pretty much guarantee you that Sunday's broadcast of the Oscars will set a new low for Hollywood's big night. But hey, I'm a movie guy. I'll be watching. And you know what? Despite the pandemic and everything else that went wrong last year, there were actually a lot of very good movies released in 2020, even though many of them never actually made it into the multiplex. Now, here are my five favorite movies released over the past year. We have The Trial of the Chicago 7, Aaron Sorkin's terrific film, a legal drama about the late 1960s anti-Vietnam War protesters, Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, Tom Hayden, and others. Another film set in the 60s, One Night in Miami, a fictional account of an evening when Cassius Clay, a.k.a. Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown were all together in that Florida city. The Father, starring Anthony Hopkins as an 80-year-old Brit succumbing to dementia, a new take on The Invisible Man. I actually saw that one in the theater early last year. And Promising Young Woman, a must-see flick about a woman played by Carrie Mulligan, who seeks to avenge the death of her best friend, doing so in a rather creative way. Those five movies were all terrific. Great acting performances in all of them. But for me, the very best were Anthony Hopkins in The Father and, yeah, Miss Mulligan in Promising Young Woman. Now, other films with major nominations that I can recommend include The Sound of Metal, Riz Ahmed as a heavy metal rock drummer coping with hearing loss, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with terrific performances by both Viola Davis and the late Chadwick Boseman, Nomadland starring Francis McDormand, and Mank about screenwriter Herman Mankiewicz's fantastic performance by Gary Oldman in that one. If you're a movie lover, trust me, all of those films are well worth your time. Well, Bill, uh, with that, I would like to thank the Academy for this award and thank you for indulging me for a little movie talk, especially since I'm pretty sure that you haven't seen one of those movies and I know you won't be watching the Oscars Sunday night. Uh, let me find my volume to get my hearing, uh, my, my headphones back working. There you go. Uh, what, what did you say? <laughs> All right, carry on, Bill. That's our movie talk for uh, this year. For a year, that's good. Well, I, I can tolerate two minutes for 365 days. For a couple of months, anyway. How's that? Oh, spare me. 
it sounded like an elitist promotion is what it sounded like to me. Get over it, pal. All right, my friend. It's an all-star lineup for EOP Network this week. Jet, starting tonight with our Philly Press Box radio show with BLG. Later tonight at 9.30, Edge of Philly Sports Network, Eagles insider Dave Spadaro joins the bunch over there with Fred and uh, and Big Al and Joe. And then Saturday morning at 9, Rob Ellis joins Tom Kelly and the Patterson Avenue Fanatics. So be sure check these shows out. Chet, do you have the schedule for the Edge of Philly Sports Total Draft coverage yet? I, there's, there, there's all kinds of things going on. There sure are. Uh, the guys have been cranking out draft prospect articles every day. You did one. I did one. I'm going to do another one in the next couple of days. Uh, and that's going to continue right up until the draft, which begins next Thursday evening. We will also have special draft-related shows next week. And then next Friday evening, night two of the draft on the 30th, a bunch of us will be uh, out somewhere, out in public. In fact, it'll be at the South House Pub, South House Pub on South 13th Street in Philly. Easy for me to say. Uh, two things I can tell you right now that should convince many of you to come out. I will be there. And more importantly, South House apparently has some amazing wings. And look at this. Four good-looking guys. We are going to form a quartet and uh, sing a little barbershop tune later after the uh, sports talk is done. Sounds like a lot of fun. And uh, and also, I've started to uh, go ahead and post some of those player profiles over on the Philly Press Box Radio Facebook page. I've uh, been putting up several for the last few days. We'll keep doing that a couple, three a day, all the way through until we get everybody up that uh, has written them. Everybody's done a great job at, EO, at EOP getting ready for this draft and trying to get the fans involved and uh, and help them out as the draft comes about. And by the way, these four guys that you see uh, on your screen, if you're watching the video version, Joe Marks, Freddie Burns, our pal, Kyle Williamson, and uh, yours truly. We will be there at South House on South 13th Street in Philly next Friday, Friday night, starting at 7 p.m. So hopefully we'll see some of you there. All right. Is there something going on on Thursday night? That, I haven't heard night. anything official yet. I know they were working on that. Okay. All right. Great stuff. Okay. You check out all the shows at www.eopsports.com. Help us out by hitting those subscribe, follow, and like buttons. And as always, share with your friends and family. Don't forget to sign up for the weekly EOP newsletter that arrives each Friday by email. That is always good stuff. Mm -hmm. All right, Chet. Great guest tonight, as always, in Brandon Lee Galton. So who will be coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Well, Bill, next week, Wednesday the 28th, is Draft Night Eve. So just like last year, we're going to have our old pal, Mark Eckel, joining us to preview the draft and much, much more. And because next week also happens to be the 53rd anniversary of 93.3 WMMR, we're going to have a visit from MMR DJ Cadillac Brent Porsche. Brent is a great guy. He's a diehard Philly sports fan, loves the Eagles, Loves the Phillies especially and the Flyers. And like me, he's a huge music guy. So I promise you that uh, our conversation with Brent Porsche will be lots of fun next week. Sounds like a lot of fun. Let's do it. Looking forward to it. We we got Echo off the beach. 
Yeah, every once in a while, we uh, are able to pull him from the beach and he'll talk a little football with us. And he'll probably want to do a fast five. So I got to come up with some good questions for him for that. There you go. All right. Hey, Chet, since I had to put up with the Academy Awards for a few minutes, you have to put up with the Flyers. <laughs> See that? <laughs> well, you jumped off the bandwagon. What can I say? They're playing the season out. 11 games left. They're presently in sixth place in the Eastern Division. Not even in fifth place, but in sixth place behind, of all people, the <sighs> Rangers. What a disappointing season for the orange and black, Chet. Uh, you ready to blow this thing up? I wish I had the sound effect ready, Bill, but kaboom! Yeah. <laughs> blow this sucker up. Blow it up real good. Uh, it's time to go with the youth movement. Buy Jake. Buy JVR. Get the young guys like Wade Allison and others the experience that they need. Help Carter Hart get back on track. That's got to be one of the keys, certainly, for the rest of this year and the offseason. I mean, this season just turned out to be a disaster, as we discussed last week with Chris Terrian. Uh, and they've clearly got to make some big changes. I am going to go a little bit the other way, Chet, believe uh -huh. it or not. Um, you know, I, I've, I've watched probably every game, maybe missed two. Um so many things have happened during this season that I certainly can't explain, but every opportunity that the other team has, has had, they've scored. Yeah. Every opportunity the Flyers have had, something has gone wrong. Hmm. They shot it wide. They missed the pass. They did just things just haven't gone their way. I don't think they're as bad as this bunch has played at this point. Um, they're sure ugly to watch. Don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, they definitely need some defensive defensemen uh, to, to help their goaltenders out. Uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to blow it all the way up. There are guys, Ben Reemsdyke being one, Kevin Hayes being another. They need to yeah. go. Um, uh, you know, Voracek, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that, except that he's second, I think second leading scorer on the team or tie for second. Um, you know, you got to be able to replace him. You can't just send him down the road and bring up a, a kid that has never played. So uh, you can't just clean the cupboard completely and not have something to go in it. So uh, we'll see how that all plays out. But I'm not ready to blow it completely up. I just think there needs to be some improvements in some areas. And uh, they have a lot of young talent that's got to get better. Nolan Patrick, Oscar Lindblom, some other guys like that. Yeah, Chuck Fletcher's got his work cut out for him this offseason because uh, whether they totally blow it up or not, they've certainly got to make some changes, especially to shore up the defense because the defense has been awful this year, just awful. Yeah, well, and and how many goals have you watched with the, uh, with the opposition just sitting on the doorstep waiting for the puck to come and the goalie has no chance because there's no defenseman anywhere around and it's, it's like tap-ins. It's like playing, you know, Basketball just tapping balls in. And yeah, and as Bundy said last week, the guys just aren't finishing their checks. They're trying to, you know, stick check instead of taking the body. Uh, so they've just really looked lethargic. And just some nights they're not even in the game, it looks like. Yeah, well, they, they definitely have to get more physical. I'm not yeah. sure how they're going to do that. But, uh, you know, the fighting aspect is out of the game. We know that. But that doesn't mean you can't check and finish your checks and let people know you're playing and lose and, and win battles in the – uh, against the boards. I mean, you just got to be able to do that. And this bunch, at least this year, 
has not been able to do that. It's going to be an interesting off season. Hey, Bill, I wanted to mention again, what Philly sports trips has going on this summer. They have trips to Fenway park for the Phil's Red Sox series, and then one to Wrigley for a Phil's Cubs series. That's all in the same week. So you can combine it into one nice week long trip. If you'd like <laughs> check out Philly for details on that. And then on Wednesday, July 21st, there is a trip up to Yankee stadium for a Phil's Yankees game. And it's a killer deal for $189. You get the bus transportation up to the Bronx, a game ticket, plus plenty of food and drink, including a pregame tailgate and lots of great company to check it out. Philly sports trips, Dot com. I'll be there. Big Al will be there. Freddie Burns will be there and a couple of the other folks from Edge of Philly Sports. So uh, it's going to be a great time. That's July 21st. Again, all the details at phillysportstrips.com. And and I'm just going to throw this out. I don't I'm, I don't know any better. But that is a night game. You know, you know it's, not I, a, it's not a getaway day Wednesday. When I see Wednesday, it makes me think getaway day. I meant to look into that, and I wasn't sure. Are you sure it's a night game? Because I haven't checked. No, I I, I have no idea. I, I just <laughs> when you popped up there Wednesday, it made me think. I wonder if that's a getaway day. Either way, I'm taking the day off, and I'm going on this trip because uh, it's going to be a good time. All right, hey Chad, I wanted to bring up. Brandon mentioned it. I wanted to to bring this up to you. What do you think about the Phillies playing in a in kind of a close game, and? The knucklehead fans, so you know where how I feel about this, chanting E A G L E S and fire Howie in the middle of the Phillies game in a close <laughs> game. It wasn't like it was a blowout game. I, I, I don't get it. Well, this hasn't happened for a while, Bill, but uh, guess what? My parting shot was going to be about tonight. Oh, <laughs> that was it. So you'll you'll get my take on it when parting shot. Come, time comes, but I think you can sense where I'm going with it. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, okay. I'll elaborate on that during my parting shot. All right, well then I'll <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave it alone from there. I didn't uh, <laughs> didn't have any idea that's what you were going to say. All right, Jet, let's take another quick break and thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page, so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have 11 line razors, mystery boxes, and now a memorabilia shop. Check out the Facebook pages. Like them or follow them. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room and PPCC 118 Raz Room Shop on Facebook. All right. You ready for a parting shot? No, not yet. I got a couple of questions for you. Okay. Um, one of them is, does Jack Nicholson still go to Lakers games? I, I know he went to one last year, but I don't know if he's still going this year. Uh, this is from a couple of years ago right there. That is actually Jack and his son. And uh, he's 84 tomorrow, which is why I thought of I don't watch a whole lot of out-of-town games. So I don't know if Jack still shows up at the Staples Center. But I'll tell you, I saw some recent pictures of him from the last couple of years. He's not taking great care of himself in his 80s. I just want you to know that. 84 years old. Holy cow. 84 tomorrow. Yeah. That goes He's with the pretty Pete much Rose retired from acting. The yeah. Pete Rose being 80 last week and Jack Nichols yeah. is 84. Nicholson is 84. Holy cow. I don't, oh, I don't one know. other thing. Yeah. Remember we had uh, Mike Barnes on our show a few times from the Barcan Foundation. Well, his brother, Bill, which is how I got to know Mike. Bill has a birthday today. One of the greatest guys in the entire world. Worked with Bill for several years uh, at Dow Jones, Wall Street Journal, Dow Phone, whatever it was called, back in the early 90s. That's where we met. And he's done a great job with 
uh, Easter seals and other charity events over the years. Bill's got a birthday today. And like RJ, you know, Brandon's new podcast partner, he's a Cowboys fan. But other than that, He's a great guy. So happy birthday to Bill Barnes. Yeah. Happy birthday, Bill. I was going to bring up that he is a Cowboy fan. So we say, you know, we still wish him happy birthday <laughs> and happy pair of losses this year to the Eagles. How's that? Yeah, that's for sure. And one other thing yeah. that I'm thinking about, um, Leroy Keyes died the other day. And it's kind of sad, not that I'm, it is sad that he died, but it's kind of sad that a lot of people held it against him for so long that, he was drafted the same year that OJ Simpson went number one and they weren't mad at him. They were mad at the Eagles who started the 1968 season. Oh, and 11. And then they won two out of the last three, I guess, to finish two and 12, which moved them down to number three instead of number one. So OJ Simpson went number one overall. And then George Koontz went number two to the Atlanta Falcons. He had a great career making eight Pro Bowls. Leroy Keyes goes to the Eagles at number three. Never really cut it. He did play in the league five or six years. First as a running back, then they uh, switched into safety. And look who went right behind him at number four, Joe Green to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So poor Leroy Keyes. I feel badly for him. Actually, there's a lot of good players. Did you see down at the bottom yeah. of that list, Calvin Hill? Yep. Albert Hill out of Yale, by the way. Ted Qualick. Ted Qualick, yeah. Wow. And uh, by the way, in round two, um, Bill Berge went to the Cincinnati Bengals in 69. Very good. Well, you know, it's funny how things happen. Uh, you know, what is O.J. Simpson if he ends up coming to the Eagles, who were horrible at the time? Yeah. So was Buffalo. Yeah, uh, so you Buffalo just never built, know. built around him, but uh, – what what happens to OJ and what happens to the Eagles franchise if OJ ends up being the OJ, the Hall of Famer that he was at Buffalo? Uh, what happens to the Eagles in the early seventies? It's a whole new thing. Yeah, it would have been exciting. Oh well, uh, whatever happened to OJ Simpson? Oh yeah, I know. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. Nah, we don't want to go there. All right, what else you got? That's it. Ready for a parting shot? Let's do it. All right, Bill. Uh, yes, as you alluded, while it's great to have ten or 11,000 fans back at Citizens Bank Park, this annoyed me, both in Sunday's Phils-Cardinals game, when Aaron Nola was pitching brilliantly and earning his first complete game shutout, and during Monday's 2-0 loss to the Giants, obviously a tight game throughout, fans decided on several occasions to do the E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles chant. And then, yeah, even if you fire Howie cheers during the Monday night game. What the hell? I can understand <laughs> this happening late in a bad Philly season or even in a blowout game, but not in a one- or two-run ball game. And you don't do an Eagles cheer during the Phillies game when the birds right now are in far worse shape than the Phillies are, and that is the case right now. So come on, Philly fans. It's great to have you back at Citizens Bank Park for all the games, but don't be doing this silly crap. It's ridiculous. Uh, absolutely. It, you know, if, if anything, you know, throw up a, let's go Sixers chant, you yes. know, let's do something that's meaningful instead of you looking like a bunch of dopes. Exactly. We agree on something, Bill. There you go. <laughs> it's hard to believe. It's hard <laughs> it to is, believe. isn't it? Yeah. All right. What else you got? We ready to wrap it up? I got nothing else. I'm hungry. Let's wrap it up four minutes early. What the heck? All right. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Brandon Lee Galton, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. And Chet put up the signs for the, or the sign for tonight. Don't yeah. forget. 
Join 930 tonight, uh, EOP Sports with Freddie and Al and Joe to see Dave Spadaro and the from the Philadelphia Eagles Insider. And Saturday morning, Patterson Avenue Fanatics with Rob Ellis joining them. Check them out. For Jim Chesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, April 28th at 7 p.m. That'll be draft eve, Chet. Mark Eckel. You can see us live on Facebook or listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts, as well as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and all the others. So high hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and check, check this out. Go Sixers. Oh, ho, ho, yes, sir.